It is time for our Tuesdays with Tom segment. Tom Skilling joins us here, sponsored by Permaseal Basement Systems. And Tom, we've got a ton to talk about. I know we've got some record warmth or potential for that to happen in our area. Um, Yeah, high winds, Anna, uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. That could be troublesome. Uh, These are non-thunderstorm winds. But we've got another one of these huge winter storms uh, spinning up across the Midwest, and we're getting some numbers on peak wind velocities that you don't often see. I mean, we're talking 50, 60-mile-an-hour-plus wind gusts over a wide swath of the Midwest tomorrow night, Wednesday night, and Thursday morning. And it'll be fairly breezy as the day goes on Wednesday, too, but... Uh, that's interesting. There's a rare storm watch out on Lake Michigan. Uh, that's issued only when forecasters see winds uh, 50 miles per hour or stronger, 50 knots or stronger in uh, marine terms out there. So that's 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 it. And there are all kinds of high wind advisories and watches just west of us. I wouldn't be surprised to see those extended into this area for tomorrow night. But ahead of that, Anna, we've got beautiful December warmth coming tomorrow. I mean, we're we're talking mid-60s. We could break a 70-year-old record high for the day, and we'll come in about 30 degrees above normal. And in so doing, uh, it's interesting. One in four Decembers has produced 60-degree temperatures, my colleague uh, Mark Carroll has found. Um, and he's broken out stats that December with the most 60s was nine of them back in 1982, and number two in terms of most uh, December 60s was 1998 when we had five of them. But, uh, uh, yeah, this is really unusual meteorological territory. Yeah, it sounds like tomorrow could be quite eventful if the warmth is going to feel nice. But then hang on to your hat after that with 50 and 60 mile an hour wind gusts, Tom. That's We're going to definitely feel that, I suppose, going into the next day, right, into Thursday? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you figure, Anna, when you start seeing 50 mile per hour gusts, that's kind of the threshold for some damage to occur, tree limbs to come down, stuff like that. So this is uh, this definitely this Wednesday night, Thursday morning period will be one where there could be you know, tie down the, uh, if you have lawn furniture out there, bring it in. Anything that can blow, trampolines and stuff like that, if you still have them out, uh, bring them in. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good idea. It's, uh, you know, you, 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 sometimes you end up in these neighborhoods where you collect other people's furniture and then you try to reunite them with it in the morning. <laughs> so tie it down because you don't want to have to deal with that, I suppose. It's uh, going to be quite yeah. an eventful night. Yeah, I suspect most folks it's December, so most folks have probably brought the stuff in. Yeah. But you know, just in case, if you got anything out there, you got any questions about garbage pails or anything like that, that's probably not a good thing to have outside tomorrow night and Thursday morning. You know, as we get so close, I do want to ask you about the tornadoes to break down what you know yeah. in a moment here. So much to talk about there, but let's just complete what we're talking about here locally. Um, as you look forward now, Tom, we're getting awfully close to Christmas. It's what ten yeah. days till Christmas Eve. We have record warmth, as you just said, potentially tomorrow. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know. White Christmas is that something that is still a possibility as you look out i'll tell you if there is a storm out there that's going to do it to us it's not showing up clearly yet that doesn't mean it's not out there somewhere but in the modeling that we look at we're not seeing clear indications of the kind of storm that would bring us a big snow there's a little system friday night saturday uh the main thrust of which goes south of us but the north end of that could produce some snow we'll keep an eye on that it's not a big deal But, uh, you know, we're 25 days beyond the date. That's more than three weeks beyond the date of our normal measurable snow, which is November 18th. 
and we're still riding on that. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. Somewhere in there, Anna, you know, eventually we're going to get one of these things. Uh, it does look like we're going into a colder weather pattern after that record warmth tomorrow, and we'll see that tighten its grip on our area, that colder weather, later this week, this coming weekend, going into Christmas week. But Christmas Day itself, um, you know, we have uh, early model indications of anywhere from mid-30s to mid-40-degree daytime highs on Christmas Day. Uh, and so, you know, we're going to get one of these storms one of these days. It's just not showing up yet. Yeah, that's for sure. We know it's coming, just uh, doesn't look like it's immediately coming. So that's that's good to know, I suppose. Interesting point, too, Anna. Um, you know, only about 39% of our Christmases, um, our white Christmases, defined as having an inch of snow on the ground in the morning at 6 o'clock. Um, so, you know, that that's only about 4 in 10 Christmases uh, are white Christmases. So despite the songs to the contrary and you know, our, <laughs> the expectations our, our preference of a, of a white christmas it's not an every year of occurrence around is here. that it i really that's lower than i thought 39 percent yeah. in my mind maybe yeah. i only remember the ones where it snows <laughs> because I, that's so exciting huh yeah it is and, and you know there's been a tendency for less of these as time goes on i mean the warming that's going on is very real sure. uh, our, our winters are averaging about three to three and a half four degrees warmer then winter is just back in the 70s. So that, that's quite a change um, over a multi-decadal period there. I want to get into the tornado outbreak with you, um, the destruction, the yep. devastation. As you look at the numbers and the data, I want to get Tom Skilling's view on what you now know about that storm, which we know in- incurred incredible devastation and, and lives lost, but there are other things to talk about there. Tom, we want to get uh, your thoughts now about the tornado outbreak. As you look at the data there, as meteorologists search through what created such this this devastating storm, what what can you tell us about what you know? Well, it's it's horrendous. Uh, this is a whole set of these nocturnal or nighttime tornadoes, which are the most terrifying. They come out of the darkness of night. If they're lucky, lightning will illuminate the vortex, the funnel. Uh, this is where Doppler radar is so invaluable. Uh, and the warnings and the uh, timely uh, advance notice on these storms was uh, stunningly good. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't mean, you know, the problem is, though, when you get into these nighttime storms, people have gone to bed sometimes. They don't know these things are coming. And uh, you have people inside factories that are working, you know, in this busy holiday period. A um, couple of things about these storms. First, um, you know, for this to happen in December, uh, December tornadoes are not unheard of. But even that little one we had down by Crown Point on Friday night, it was just an EF0 tornado. It it produced winds of 75 to 85 miles an hour, which on the Fujita scale uh, is at the bottom rung of the ladder. Still, that can do damage. It was only on the ground in northwest Indiana, 4.8 miles. On the other hand, you go down to Kentucky, that thing appears to have been on the ground or at least was associated with a mesocyclone, a, a complex of thunderstorms that produces tornadoes. Uh, for perhaps as much as 250 miles. Now, the benchmark long-track tornado was the March 18th, 1925 Tri-State Tornado, the most deadly tornado in U.S. history. It killed close to 800 people. It uh, injured close to 3,000. White towns in downstate Illinois from uh, southern Illinois, actually it started in southeast Missouri, went across southern Illinois into southwest Indiana, That storm wiped towns off the face of the earth. And, you know, it's interesting. We have a WGN connection on that. Max Armstrong, 
the inimitable Max Armstrong, his sure. grandfather had a farm down there that uh, across which that tornado traveled uh, back in 1925. But, you know, and it's been studied over and over again, and the conclusions have continued to be that that really was a single tornado uh, that stayed on the ground that long. Hmm. Uh, so this thing that happened uh, last week, last Friday night, uh, appears uh, from initial reports to possibly have been the longest path length tornado, uh, and it was the only that was only one of the storms. Here's another thing, Anna. Uh, Steve Bowen, uh, who works with um, Aon Insurance, he's their uh, catastrophic uh, hazard uh, uh, unit analyst, which is important to an insurance company. And he uh, has tweeted that he expects this to be the most damaging thunderstorm complex ever to sweep the United States in the month of December. Uh, this will come in, the damage from this, in multi-billion dollars. And so it's another one of these extreme weather events that's cost uh, the country and the insurance industry and the taxpayer and people themselves, uh, you know, billions of dollars of damage. And we're seeing more of these occur as time goes on. Yeah, I saw um, CNN was covering the Dawson Springs there in western Kentucky. One of those, if you've seen any aerial views of the storm aftermath, this is probably on it because it was wiped off the face of the earth. And they say people truly feel lucky to have emerged with their lives, but yet literally have the clothes on their backs. And they're scouring the neighborhood, just trying to find, you know, photo memories, anything that might be meaningful. But but it, it just took everything, Tom. And I know you say you had the advance warning, but it's seems in cases here, people got in their bathtubs, they got to the center of their home, they moved to areas they thought and believed would protect them the best, and yet it wasn't yeah. enough with the severity of this particular storm. No, you know, Anna, uh, we can do so much to protect ourselves against tornadoes, but at a certain point, these storms get so strong. We saw this out in Utica uh, when the storm struck there. That took down a building that it was over 100 years old. It was made of solid, you know, brick and stone and everything. You would have thought this was Fort Knox, uh, you know, uh, hmm. the Fort Knox of, uh, of Utica. It was not going to go down. But, uh, you know, people went down the basement. They did what they were supposed to. And still there was death. Um, so at a certain point, these storms get so strong that there's not a heck of a lot you can do. Having said that, I think what you're going to see is a lot of people are going to start looking at the way these uh, big uh, factory complexes are put together. Uh, there are engineering uh, techniques and reinforcements you can do in building structures that will prevent some of this damage. But, you know, you're right. You look at the video that, that came out of there. I, I have two folks who send me weather pictures from Eddysville, Kentucky, a beautiful area on a lake down there, and I get the most beautiful photos from them. They sent a whole series of photos out of what happened to their neighborhood. That was one of the Kentucky areas that was just devastated. And you look at these homes, they're gone. You know, it's just, uh, it really is frightening. And to think that happened at night, yike. Uh, that is really horrifying. It is. You know, I, I was seeing, I was listening to some folks, uh, meteorologists talk uh, kind of nationally, and they were just saying that it, it was so troubling to watch this come together, and maybe you feel felt that way too, because you knew the power as it, as it formed, and you thought, well, okay, this gives us an opportunity to warn people, and that will save lives, and yet the the power of a storm like this, no doubt, has the potential to claim lives as well, and so you, you're sort of bracing about at, uh, bracing as you look at the models in a case like this, Tom. I don't know if you yeah. felt that way. 
You know, Anna, it's it's amazing. Uh, the modern technology, the forecast technology we have, this area was pinpointed as an area really at elevated risk for a severe uh, weather outbreak. Uh, but, you know, when we say advanced warning, you know, Doppler radar will often give us uh, 20 minutes advanced warning. That's better than what we used to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that's not a lot of time. And if you haven't gotten the message out to folks who are in bed or sleeping or something like that or at work in a place and not looking out the window, uh, you know, this is why it's so critical. I know an issue has arisen with this uh, Amazon plant down in Edwardsville, downstate, that folks weren't allowed to bring phones in. But that's often the way people are getting warnings these days when they're in church or, you know, in work environments. And uh, so it's a critical uh, way to communicate these warnings to folks. Yeah, there were also some text messages that are now emerging showing how people were told they can't leave. They were told they would lose their job if they left and, and that they, they had to stay there, even though they got that kind of warning. What was the warning time? Was it 20 minutes in this case for most people, assuming, you know, you had access to it? Uh, what did you hear? But I, this is what I'm hearing, Anna. Yeah, about 20 minutes in many cases. I can't tell you case to case to case, uh, you know, in, in particular towns, whether that's always the case. But that seems to be the general trend. And I know when they were talking to Kentucky's governor, uh, Governor Bashir down there, he was saying that, uh, you know, there was warning. That wasn't the issue. Uh, the issue was the construction of homes and whether or not, you know, folks were getting the warnings. Uh, and there's been a lot of work in that direction to try and get these warnings out and to better and more clearly communicate and over a smaller, more refined area, so we're not overwarning uh, where the risk is the highest. Yeah. Puts things in perspective, a situation like that. And if you're in a position to help, we should help. Um, a lot of kids there, they're saying they're doing toy drives for them for Christmas and all yeah. kinds of things. That Lots of ways to help. People have lost everything. Um, quickly here, just about a minute left, Tom, though, but we're looking at that warmth and then the winds. Big stuff um, here. Big winds uh, tomorrow night and Thursday, and they they rush the cooler air in. We could set a record for the high tomorrow, a record for the high very early in the day before the sun comes up Thursday, because by the time we get up Thursday morning, those winds will have transported colder air in. And then we, we it's a kind of a downhill trajectory on the temps. By the weekend, we'll have highs in the 30s. We'll watch a little system that's going to brush us uh, Friday night, Saturday, see if that amounts to anything in the way of snow or winter weather but uh, you know by and large we're not seeing that uh, yeah, while this is a big winter storm we're not seeing the kind that's targeting chicago yet with snow it may be out there but it's not showing up yet we'll keep an eye out for that just in case it does we'll keep an eye out for it a lot of kids want that tom but if it doesn't yeah. happen it doesn't happen it'll snow eventually we know that right <laughs> yeah that's right and yeah and the la nina winter typically you know, very often precip is above normal. By the way, another aspect of a La Nina winter are these severe weather outbreaks. Mm-hmm. You superimpose that on warming that already is going on, and, uh, you know, you you see uh, these things happen. Yeah, troubling to see what we just saw happen, but um, we will we will see what happens next. And uh, thanks for yeah. the time today, Tom. It's uh, good talking with you. Yeah, I hope we have happier things to talk about next week. I hope so. But it was great talking to you, Anna, as always. All right. You enjoy the Tuesday, Tom. Thanks for your insights and perspective. And if I don't talk to you before, have a good Christmas. Thank you, Anna. You too. Tom Skilling, sponsored by Permaseal Basement Systems. That'll do it for us. It is time for the news at the top of the hour here on WGN. And for that, we're going to go to the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Have a good evening. We'll talk again tomorrow.